Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. It's five o'clock somewhere. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. It is the 18th day of the month of May. I am happy to be here. I am happy that my guest, Tara, is here joining us today, too. She is not the HR lady. I'm very curious about that name, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But it is 2 p.m. here on the East Coast in New York. It is beautiful outside. I'm stuck in my dark room looking out the window that does not open. It's one of the flaws of my new studio office here. But it's not about me today. Tara, what's (laughs) happening? How you doing? You know, I've been better. Uh, it's Mental Health Awareness Month, and I am presently incredibly aware of how terrible my mental health is right now. I've been freely sharing that on LinkedIn. It's why I'm drinking at one o'clock here in Texas on a That's Tuesday. Fine. Cheers. Cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, cheers, cheers to you. Cheers to you. you. Cheers you. to you. And you know what? It's oh, I mean, people say it, and I and I really do believe in it. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Why are we expected to be always on all the time? I mean, let's let's break it down here. Tell me, tell me, tell tell me where I'm missing this. You're a mom. I am. How many kids? Seven. Human. Holy effing shit. I know. I know. Seven I know. humans. You're responsible seven for humans. seven human beings. I'm go through the ages here. Let's go through the ages. So we've got four year old twins. Uh, a f- oh my god. I know, and they're and they're divas too. Like you have to look on my Instagram if you go to idiotcuntexecutivehousewife.com. Ah. It'll take you. To my Instagram, and you can see my crazy diva four-year-old daughters. Idiotcuntshousewife.com uh, for everyone who's following along there. Say that ten times well, so, Yeah, well, so somebody called me that on LinkedIn, so I just bought the URL. Why wouldn't you? I mean, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, so four-year-old twin girls. I've got a six-year-old kind of gender fluid. So sometimes they wear a dress. Sometimes they wear boy clothes. Sometimes they ask us to call them Azzy. Sometimes they go by their birth name, which is Nico. Uh, and we just roll with it. Like, whoever they want to be. Every one of my kids was sort of like that. Like, it, our kids just dressing up, right? So uh, that's what they do. He, uh, he, they are six-year-old and uh, full of energy. And they just learn to read. Kindergarten is coming to a close. Boom. So excited. And then I've got an eight and a nine-year-old, uh, also boys. And then I adopted my niece and nephew, 13 and 16. So I've had them... This is a funny story. So my, I had three boys. Oh, we didn't get to the funny story yet. I just want to make sure we didn't get to the funny story. No, we have There's more. There's more funny if you can believe it. The punchline is coming. So I'm a mom of three boys. I'm thinking, okay, cool. I'm pregnant with twins. My twins come on April 13th, and on May 1st, we adopted my niece and nephew. So I went from three kids to seven kids. And frankly, when you're out, exponential growth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's but you know if you're going to do it, just get it all out of the way at one time. I mean, if you could have as many many kids as you can in the shortest amount of time, you did it. That's it. I did. I did. Uh, most people will be like, "Oh, didn't you start? Didn't start having kids until I was thirty? I was thirty-one." And they're like, "How? What's the math there? Like, you're not in your fifties. That's weird." And so it's a conundrum. But it's it's really fun. We have a crazy, fun, awesome household. My sixteen-year-old is getting his license 
Scary. Uh, in one week from today. And I'm scary, scary, scary. Yeah, I'm, I'm petrified. I, he can't take his trash out of his room. So I don't know how he's going to. How do kids? How do kids man? How do kids manage these days? I mean, I think we were. I think we we're lucky. I, I don't. I don't know how old you are. I'm 42. I think we're relatively in the yeah. same. 40. The same, good, great. So we're in the same breath. Like we didn't have. I mean, we had our own distractions when we were kids. We had play, but kids now with these freaking phones, man. Like I, I think my my little my three year old is gonna be walking around like this, you know, yeah. looking down at his iPad, and and sometimes he walks up and down the stairs with the iPad. Yes. And how are kids like? I mean they're distracted they're more distracted than we ever were how do you how do you keep how do you keep your son present when you're trying to teach him how to drive so like it, it's a couple focus fucking don't focus die. on the road don't right, die like you, can't, you can't die so that's rule rule number one and in order to not die you have to be focused on the road so like you got to put it down and you know i'm really lucky he's super responsible super smart kid really good like get caught he's a 16 year old boy and he has a girlfriend and everything. And literally, he is the best kid. I can say that straight faced. He is awesome. Uh, the teen years are not as scary as they seem. Hmm. I got them way ahead of time. My oldest bio kid's only nine. So I thought I would have like a little more time to prep for some of these more difficult things like driving. But uh, oh but it's kind of a quick, fast learning, right? A quick, fast learn. Uh, but the number one rule: don't die. Keep them so alive. You, and make sure they don't die themselves. And 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 I think that's a golden rule: is you you teach them the 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 sheer responsibility of having yeah. the keys behind them, and the fact that yes, it's not just you; it's the people in your car, and it's the other people on the road. And and it's it, it's no, I mean, it's it's one of the, the the most important things for for a kid to learn is to drive for their own independence, but also for trust. And it's hard. And I I can't imagine that. I remember going back to the days of you know my dad teaching me. And a quick little funny story for everybody. I, I'm, I was a good driver. I've always been a good driver. And I went to go take my road test. And the passenger side seat buckle, I was driving my dad's 1987 powder blue Ford Taurus station wagon. And I will find a picture and post it up. It's great. And we go to take the road test. And the uh, instructor, whatever you call them, the road test guy, yeah. the examiner, yeah. examiner, Exam whatever the fuck you want to call them. It. Right. Yeah. He gets in the car. And he goes, I can't, I, I have to fail you because there's no seat buckle on the passenger seat. And we're talking 1994, 95, right? Yeah. Whatever. And he goes, I, I can't be in a car without a seatbelt. And I literally lost my shit on my dad, like went full on nuclear on him. And he, I think he wanted to like backhand me, but I made him run to the Ford dealer, like, no. down on, you know, a couple miles away. And we tried to get a fix. We got a fix. We they figured it out. And I came back and the instructor was like, you have to go back. The examiner, you have to go back and resign up for the test again which was like a few months away. And I'm like, fuck that. And I like got in the guy's face. And I remember my dad telling me, this is the first time he saw me like wig out on somebody. And I literally like strong armed the guy into giving me the test again. And, uh, and I passed. And, and that's uh, beautiful. That's and that's, that's, a, that's, beautiful. that's that story. But anyway, so we got a herd of kids. I'm going to call them a herd, herd, if you don't mind. And I mean exactly. that in the most, in the most, not, and no yeah. offense, to, no offense to cows. This is an anti-discriminatory show. No offense <laughs> to cows. Um, but you have a, you, you have a herd of of underlings that's fair you have a herd of underlings yeah you have a day you. job yeah what is your day job so i am the ceo and host of not the hr lady uh, i used to be a chief people officer for 12 years in the corporate world of work uh come march of 2020 like many people uh, i joined the uh let's try starting a business uh the funny thing was it was actually planned uh and intentional just happened to work at the same time as COVID hitting, unfortunately, uh, we were supposed to launch our show at HR Transform 
you know, that was supposed to be like kind of mm-hmm. a big to do. And, uh, and then COVID happened and that didn't happen. And we still did it anyway. So for the last year, I've been, uh, growing our brand, which is not the HR lady. We do a weekly show, which is entering its third season. Awesome. Um, we do a live after show, which has just, you know, gotten pretty popular over the last, uh, last season, especially uh, with like 2000 people joining us live. We've made cocktails in like five countries and um, talked about all things people and no bullshit. So it's uh, it's been a really fun venture. My I actual yeah, day job awesome. though uh, is more HR consulting. I do a lot of executive team building. So more and more, I think executive teams are realizing that uh, there has to be cohesion at that group. And really, everybody really kind of does have to be rowing in the same direction. We do. I think so many of us have been saying this for a long time, but now folks are starting to go, you know, we really do need an outside influence to come in and help us realign ourselves and, you know, cut the bullshit. So exactly. um, I'm basically like Wendy Rhodes, right, from Billions and come oh. fix your problems and uh, make you guys Everybody. get along and try to bring out the best in the executive team to help the, the rest of the company thrive. Oh, so, that's so, many, so much. So Major. much, so much to unpack here, and I know. And, and you, uh, you, minus met, you the met, dominatrix, maybe and, minus the dominatrix. I'm a pretty easygoing person. We forget about <laughs> Chuck. We forget about the dark side of Chuck and Wendy Rhodes. I love that show. I, I love that show. Uh, I really love Billions. I even have a. Um, I'm a sucker, by the way. Side so note for Instagram ads, like they yeah. get me all the time, and especially if it's late at night or if I've had a couple of drinks, and they know me. They know how the hell they know me so well. Yeah. And I and I bought one night a an Axe Capital. I'm a, I'm a whiskey bourbon guy. And um, you have, I have a whole shelf over here. Uh, you can see it all the way at the end with whiskey and bourbon Yay. down over there, Pod Studios. And I bought an Axe Capital custom engraved glass, like from Axe that Capital. Awesome. And awesome. <laughs> I forgot I had it. I gave it to one of my friends the other night when we were having a drink. He's like, "What the hell is this?" Um, but you know, the the idea of having a Wendy Rhodes in your company is is incredible, and especially having somebody. And we talk about it with consulting, executive coaching. It really is about having somebody who is an expert in that field, who does yeah. not work within your organization, who could see through the bullshit and yeah. have that 30,000 foot view to say, okay, these are your blind spots. Yeah. This is what you're missing. Your head is so far up your ass in this company that you're missing these giant things in front of your face. You're missing what your employees are saying. You're missing what your competition right. is saying. You're missing what the market is saying. You're missing the big picture and it's affecting yeah. you clouds and dirt. Uh, that That's incredible. I mean, do you feel... That I mean, listen, you've worked in companies and in organizations. How does this type of position feel for you at this stage of your life and your career? Are you meant you know, to be where you are it. right now? Yeah, I love it. I love it because it allows me to have such a larger reach. Um, you know, having one organization and affecting sort of the good that comes out of, of this sort of work. I mean, it, I think there's a... You know, there's a, a lot of blame that happens uh, in the corporate world of work where the executives don't want to take any responsibility for all the shit that happens in the organization. Oh, no. And then neither do the you know next people in line, the, the leadership team, neither do the managers. Everybody's just blaming everybody. And really, if it just started at the top good, it would be good, right? That's culture. That's where mm-hmm. the culture starts, lives, breathes, whatever. It has to. It has to. Because There's no other place. It's not going to start at the bottom. Yeah. I mean, you might no. see some movements within organizations, but it has to be championed at the top. That's exactly right. And when companies realize, um, you know, I've been fortunate to work with some great ones, not great ones either, but some great ones um, who really believed and understood the value in that, you know, and, and the value in having the right executive team who has the right dynamic uh, to set the tone at the top in order to achieve the results everybody wants, which is to get 
write the most money out of your organization. Nobody, I've never worked for a not-for-profit. So everybody- Even not for, not for profits are profitable. Very exactly. profitable. Oh my gosh, 5013Cs are crazy. Oh. Like I'm gonna start a church. You know, all you need, Adam, is a congregation. And I believe that you have one every week when you do your show. Uh, and you could actually- I'm following make, you. You could make this a 5013C if you wanted to. I don't know if it oh, isn't already, but like this could I be need the something. birth of Adam. You need to write this down. I'm serious. Yeah, it could be the pause, the, the synagogue, the pause synagogue, the exactly. pause whatever. I don't exactly whatever. Right. So, I love it. It sounds like a weird geometric shape, it but posagon. Um, so Tara, let me let me ask you this. I'm curious, like how do you define the word culture? Very curious. You know, culture is something that's so interesting and so often overused, I think. Like, um, it's supposed to be this all-encapsulating phrase that means something about our organization. And the thing is, is that culture isn't just a one-word descriptor, and it doesn't live in that same space forever. Culture can be completely you know, and it should be ever evolving as your company, as your company grows, as your company shifts, as your priorities change, that has to be something that's a little bit more fluid. So when I describe culture, I think it's like, what are you, what are you solving for? And if you're solving to make a lot of money and you don't care who you step on along the way, well, that's one kind of culture. If you are wanting to change the world and you want to make money doing it, but you also want to help others build financial wealth who may not be in the C-suite. Well, that's a different kind of culture. And I think more and more, that's what organizations are kind of going toward. But again, that in of itself, you could put in a lot of different descriptors, you know, name, name an adjective and, and we could call it that. But, but really it's all those words kind of just thrown up on a wall, moved around and gotten bigger, right? It's one of those word clouds that just keeps shifting. Oh, so this, it's that, terrible. There's a word cloud. And, and, and the one that really irks my soul, I mean, it really is a thorn in my side is whenever I hear a client or anybody say culture fit, it really oh just God. like, it, it's not, it's not a culture fit. And I try to course correct them pretty firmly yeah. because I think that a lot of executives, it's just, it's not, they're not doing it with bad intentions. I think it's just what they've been hearing their whole, their whole career and their whole life yeah. and everything. And I, and I try to change the word culture fit to culture harmony. And I always explain it with this analogy. I always say, you have, you don't want a company, you don't want everyone looking and acting and thinking like yourself, right? Because yeah. culture, a lot of people default culture to the physical attributes or what the people look like, but it's really about the mindsets. And I always tell everybody like, that's what's going to make your organization. Think of it like a quilt. Think of it like a patchwork quilt. You have all these different pieces, different fabrics, different colors, different shapes, different sizes, different materials. They each have their own strength. They have their own you know, weaknesses. They're soft. They're hard. They have different feelings. Individual, they stand on their own. But when they come together, they form this beautiful quilt. Yeah. That's the way your company yeah. should be. Yes. And I, I padded that. That's You could borrow it anytime you I want. That's free. That's pause gift to you. I and like it. when I say it like that, they get it. But then I turn around and I talk to, you know, candidates all the time because my day job at NHP is recruiting and, every, and they ask me, what's the culture like? What's the culture like? And I throw it back to candidates and I say, honestly, culture to me is how you as a candidate feel valued within an organization. How do you it. feel when you go into work? Do you have a clear career path? Do you know what you're doing every single day? Your expectations set. Do you have a clear feedback loop? It's not the beer pong and the cold brew no. on tap and all that shit. Like that's, that's not culture. And if it is, you're, you're ass backwards there. So yeah. I want to talk to you from your your point of view, your vantage point, your area of expertise. The pandemic's been nuts. The pandemic's been crazy. And now we're getting to a point of, quote unquote, return to work. Yes. There's many different areas, many different angles here. I would love your perspective on how companies could best approach a strategy 
to do two things. One, ensure that you're taking care of your current employees. And number two, that you're being mindful of your talent acquisition pipeline and new employees coming in. And I'll I stop talking. The, I'll move my mic too. So I, don't <laughs> I think the name of the game is, you know, flexibility. Organizations learn a real hard lesson that you're, you're, you have to be in the office because da, 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 da. like, that's just control bullshit. And I don't think that people are going to to subscribe to the need to have to be in the office X days a week. It's like, you've done it for 15 months skin counting, not there. So like everybody right. take a breath. I think organizations really have to, to really decide what is the most important thing to you is the most important thing to you holding on to that real estate asset that you have and forcing people who don't want to be there back into the office? Or uh, are you of the of the mind that, hey, you know what? We can actually save a lot of money, streamline a lot of efficiencies, cut back on that real estate space, invest more meaningfully in our business, our people, our offerings, our pay, and not just go back to the way things were because that's what's comfortable. Like, we don't need to, and I, I'm sorry if any pe people work at a distributor that does shipping stuff because I'm about to dog you, but like we don't okay. need $5 million FedEx contracts anymore at, at, at the office. We all are just emailing and that seems to work just fine. Like it's all of the stuff, right? All of the waste that would happen, all of the utility, oh, yeah. people lightly. I mean, when you think about it, wasteful travel, I mean- Sure. The carbon emissions of commuting, I heard, right? I mean, absolutely. And then I, I think about all of the like, environmental factors and there's the list can go on and on. There are de definite de detrimentals, I think, to not being in and around your coworkers sometimes. But if you don't and are not wasteful with your money, you can make that more meaningful when you guys have a milestone. You can get together and go to the fucking Caribbean. Like, Come on. Imagine that. It's such an interesting idea, too. Let's take the money we're saving in real estate and make it team building trips. Imagine you said to your team, hey, guys, we're all going to be remote. But once a quarter, because mm -hmm. we're saving once a quarter, there's a team trip. It could yeah. be, hey, we're going on an adult adult summer camp trip. We're going down to Mexico, to the Caribbean, and we're, you could bring your spouses so they could sit by the pool all day. But we're going to have three or four hours a day. We're going to be working. We're going to yeah. be team building, collaborating. We're going to be doing stuff where, where I it's interesting too, and and there's no right or wrong, no. but I think what it comes down to is listening to your employees and having flexibility. Now, listen, there are some jobs, obviously, because of the nature of the job, they need to be physically present for whatever yeah. that is. And I also believe certain industries. I work in advertising and marketing, and I've seen both sides of this. I've seen a complete fail on the lack of collaboration of advertising and marketing teams that need to be together because there is that. this energy and it's hard to explain if you're not in the industry, anybody listening, like in the ad industry, there's an energy and collaboration. There's something with being with the people in the room and bouncing things off of them that can't be done over Zoom or whatever. Um, but there's there's a choice. And the other piece that we have to really think about is, well, two pieces. One, there are some people where logistics from home are awful. They either physically don't have the logistics, a good place to work. They're stuck homeschooling kids. They can't, you know, manage that. They have poor internet connections. They can't afford good internet. Or maybe they live with their villains. Maybe they're trapped with a, a spouse, a relative, or somebody that literally is the bane of their existence. And like they don't want to be with them all day. And going to work was that freaking escape for them. So there's no right. The, the thing I'm trying to say is there's no right or wrong. That's but right. it has to be flexibility. And the companies that are winning are the ones that are giving an option and they're listening. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with fully remote. I don't agree with 100% back in the office, generally speaking. Yeah. I think it's about, about like, you know, just listening and the companies that don't listen, 
they're going to lose big time. And I've called it for months already. We are seeing the talent migration. Mm-hmm. We are seeing people leaving jobs for multiple reasons. They're not being supported. They're not, they don't like the return to office situation. They found other side gigs. They've yeah. transferred careers and a million things. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. There's a lot to think about, but two years in one mouth, right? And that's what companies need to think about is you have two years. Listen to your people before you start telling your people what they're going to have. If you want to keep them, to your point, if you want to keep them, you should start listening. Because what is it to you? If you've been fully remote uh, for 15 months and you have two employees who want to stay fully remote, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody else wants to be in and you let them know like, hey, that's great. We want to support you, whatever, da, 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 da. Like, if that's feasible, rock it out. You know, if, yeah, if, if, it's, if it's working, if it's be working, it. like listen, be flexible. It, it, to your point, it's not one size fits all. And there is no right or wrong answer. Here's the other part. I'm, I'm curious on your take on this. I, I think that younger employees, younger folks in their career and new employees are suffering because of a couple of reasons. One, I truly believe that on, on, on the site training is critical. Being yeah. able to shadow if you're early on, on in your career, being able to shadow a senior level executive to see how they interact with the interpersonal relationships within that office. Oh, yeah. Right. How, learning from like the cadence and mannerisms, understanding when to shut up, when to talk, when it feels good to like allow your voice and that part of the culture in a company. Because some companies, and I've seen this, where literally a junior person, they're encouraged to speak up and speak out of line at a senior executive and challenge them. Wow. Other companies, for better or worse, where there's kind of a chain of command and that's okay in some areas too, just depending on how it is. The other part of new employees coming in and they're not getting the right onboarding for a couple of reasons. One, a company has not pivoted into a fully remote onboarding. And number two, the people that are meant to do the onboarding have 10 other priorities now that they're working from home. I need to make sure my job's performing. I need to do my day job. I can't lose my job. I got kids running around. Now I have to prioritize a new employee and going back all the way to your first point, it starts at the top. Yeah. It does. What's the what's the expectation? How's it set? What resources are available to do onboarding remotely? Did you change your budget? Are they working with what they had? Are they literally setting stuff out in FedEx and just doing the best they can because nobody's given them any gut? Like, there's so here's your welcome kit, right? Yeah, it's it's really it's really interesting too. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about your show. Uh, I'm 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 appalled that I've not been invited on yet, which is a whole separate (laughs) thing. At the very least, the after show, because I my my grand plan for this, and I've been trying it with Clubhouse, is uh, my you. wife and I, thank you, my wife I and really I, do. I'm serious. <laughs> my, my wife, my wife and I love uh, reality TV. It's our it's our escape. And we have Ooh, our shows. Okay. We have our shows. And if anybody's listening, we do Below Deck. We do Real Housewives in New York and Real Housewives in New Jersey. Sometimes she'll go off on her own and do a little bit like OC uh, type of things. But those are my shows. Yeah. They're mindless. And I love them because I could literally tune in and tune out. And that's yeah. our escape. But the point I'm trying to make with this whole long-winded statement is Andy Cohn does the after show, the Andy yeah. Cohn Clubhouse, if you see it. And that's always what I wanted to do. I love Andy. I love what he does. And I want to do it. So I tried to do it on Clubhouse, where I would like drop a show and then bring that guest on that I had on the podcast to interview. Yeah. It kind of worked a little bit, but it then turned into a podcast, like another podcast. And But that's kind of the grand, the grand scheme there. Tell us, you know, Tell us, like, you know, what's what's happening with the show? Has it evolved over the last year? It's evolved a lot, actually. So season one was just sort of season one, right? We were in COVID, and everything was so uncertain. And the show ended up being much more political, right? Like, yeah. than I intended it to be, but much more updating. Because every week, there was something new with unemployment, something new with the stimulus. And that was, like, what people wanted to hear. And yeah. so 
we really, the show is not what we really intended it to be in season one, kind of just because of COVID, because of the circumstances. Season two, I think we really found our stride, which has been, which is, which was really fun. We did 13 episodes, uh, including a behind the scenes, and we introduced a live after show. Uh, So I didn't get the idea from Andy on Bravo. I actually got it from The Walking Dead. So um, I really like blood and gore. My kids and I are really into like horror films and stuff like that. Seems appropriate. I know completely. So The Walking Dead has been one of them. And they do an after show called The Talking Dead, where they literally just talk about the show that happened and there's guests from the show, et cetera. So we do an episode that's taped and recorded. We have a three camera web show. My co-host and I, Justin, and uh, we, it's about usually about an hour long. We talk about literally all things people, no BS. And the one, I really do have a special one for you. So um, we have uh, uh, season three is coming out uh, on June 10th, and we're very excited. Uh, and I, one of our episode titles, we do a lot of stuff tongue in cheek. If you're not familiar with our show, if you go back and look at any of our episodes, it's like, I know black people, whites at the round table. It's, it's very <laughs> controversial. We use like a lot of humor and ridiculousness to help illustrate very serious points because obviously talking about it from a humane way isn't working. So now we're just going to make you laugh. I love um, it. So we have one next season called Two Women, One Seat. And I was thinking maybe you would want to be on that one with me and Justin because I I have some really interesting ideas for for sort of the women at the top, you know, and that that fighting over, if you will, the one seat that's sort of allocated uh, to us. Oh, so many thoughts. So many thoughts on interesting. Interesting, interesting, complete side note. I'm a huge Howard Stern fan. Anybody that knows him, and I was listening this morning, and I had Michael Che on the uh, the head oh, writer yeah, at, at Saturday Night Live. And Michael Che, Howard was bringing up like skits that didn't make it. And the one that I literally crashed my car, you got to hear this one. This is the funniest one that he came up with. The one black guy who was booing Jackie Robinson back in that day. <laughs> and I was like, how did this not make it on the air? Would have been like, it no. would have been just like, I was like, and, and he's like, he's like, the reason he's so funny, he's like, the reason we did it during dress rehearsals. That's when they test all, all the all the skits out. And he's like, the audience is all white people. They didn't want to laugh. No one wanted to laugh at that. No oh, one. And, 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 it's, and it's just funny. So we have a couple minutes before uh, Matt and Matt jumps on. Really excited to talk to him. We'll shift that conversation a little bit. But um, we're talking off air. Let's I'd love to get your thoughts on the state of LinkedIn. Oh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is such an interesting place. I have two different, you know, completely different thoughts. One about LinkedIn itself. And I, I'm really sad to see some of like, the censorship that I've seen, some of the you know lack of help um, for people who are just erroneously kicked off the platform. Um, I had my own troubles with the platform in the summertime. Uh, God, last summertime, I guess now. Um, but yes. there's there's so much that I think LinkedIn is trying to do right and better, and so much that they're just still missing the mark on. But like, I'll put that aside for a second. On LinkedIn, there's just such an interesting space for people to really want to stand out to make a name for themselves, especially in this time of like crazy, you know, nobody knows what they're doing or what's going to happen or what kind of jobs are going to be available or whatever. And, um, and we were talking off camera and I think it's, it's just, it's interesting to see and a little disheartening to see, you know, folks sort of maybe glomming on to certain trends and, Uh, you know, doing those sorts of things instead of being sort of true to themselves or having their own unique voice or their own take on it. It's just sort of jumping into like whatever is popular and trendy to talk about. And, and I think that it's interesting to like, I think it's interesting to note that certainly everybody can say and do and post and whatever, but I think it's, it's, 
it's such a good place to be able to actually affect change in the workplace. Mm -hmm. If you're committed to doing that, great. But if you're committed to making yourself look like you do that, don't do that. Like that, that's not cool. Be real, be real. Cause you're going to get sussed out. It's going to be a house of cards. It's and it's going to collapse real fast. People are falling into the trap of these fake optics and they're trying to be things that they're not. They're trying to be experts in fields that they're not. And it's okay to have a point of view. It's okay to share your voice and your opinion. But it's another thing to try to leverage that in a business world and it's yeah. going to fall apart because you'll be sussed out and it's not doing you any good. Right. It's not doing you any good Good for your, for, your, for, your, for yourself there. So I got Matt coming on in a minute here and while I have you on, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a couple of questions to, to bring it home. Okay. Um, this pandemic's been fucking batshit to say the least and I know you're going through a lot and I know that it's, it's hurting you inside and outside. And you're putting on a good face right now. And I appreciate you coming mm-hmm. on and 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 really digging down deep. And, and as I like to say, harnessing that inner tenacity, which you have in spades, Tara, for sure. Um, but we also talk a lot about the good. We talk about the silver linings of this pandemic. And I'd love if you could share a personal silver lining and a professional yeah. silver lining from the last 18 months. Jeez, I've been saying that. I went back, side note, I watched a show from last April. I'm like, uh, could you share a silver lining from the last six weeks? I was like, Fuck. <laughs> What? <laughs> time warp, baby. Time warp. All right. So you know, crazy. You know, for me, I think it's been time. Um, I'm an executive who's traveled for most of, of their career. Um, I've spent, you know, more time away from my kids than I than I would care to admit. But just like any other working parent, you do what you have to do. And this has really allowed me to shift and, and refocus. I literally wasn't away from them for almost an entire 365 days for almost probably the first time in their whole lives. Ever. 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 Yeah. And uh, and so that was really interesting and stressful. And the more the less I kept holding on to like what normal looked like before and started embracing like what it looks like now. Uh, you know, getting up at 10 o'clock, that's fine. We can get up at 10. We can have breakfast at 1130 in the morning. Like that's You're okay. Like we can just, you know, we were flexible. Like I we're in, I was fortunate and unfortunate and very fortunate to be in a place where I was home with my kids. So um, that was, that was, that's been great. I've loved this. Professionally, kind of the same, right? Uh, I've been able to sort of start and grow a brand that's become pretty successful and a show that's become pretty popular. And I'm really proud of being able to use my voice and what I'm going through um, to speak candidly to others in a way that's just unfiltered and raw and um, what I think a lot of people are going through. So it's been very professionally rewarding and personally rewarding. Um, and what is what keeps me propelled to keep doing this work is hearing how much, like when I say something just candidly about having a shitty day and what what lessons I'm trying to take from it to get a message or a comment <clears throat> or an email about, I needed to hear this today. And that is just like, there's nothing greater than that. And I've never had it to this extent in my whole career. So this, this year has just proven, you know, incredibly bittersweet. And I'm hoping it's going to finish on a, a sweeter uh, end than it started with. It will, because you, ha- you have to believe and you have to manifest it. And I think that's yeah. such an interesting point, too. When, when, you, when you're vulnerable online and offline, you know, things happen. I mean, we've all, it, it's so crazy. And again, it's cliche. We've all, this is the first time in the world that everybody in different extremes and levels, depending on your situation and money, are in the same freaking boat. We're yeah. all affected by this. Every single person, even super wealthy people, have had to figure out where to escape to and which island, but they've had to change. And everybody's right. No, it's true. Like, and everyone's going through it. But like you think about the support and the outreach and 
how much mental energy we're all spending, how much mental energy we're all spending here. And, and we're closer than you think. There's days when I go home and I just like collapse on the couch and I'm like, holy shit, I'm not physically tired. I'm mentally drained yeah. from trying to manage the house, manage a family, run a business, right? Yeah. You know this for anyone who's out there, who's a small business owner, an entrepreneur, solopreneur, if you have to keep your foot on the gas the entire time and that gets heavy. Yeah. Heavy as a crown, heavy as a crown. So Tara, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Matt's having a little bit of technical difficulties there. So we'll hang on a minute until he's good to go down in the green room. But tell us, tell us where could folks find you? Where could they connect? Where could they find the show? Where could they yeah. reach out? The easiest place to find me is just at notthehrlady.com. From there, it'll take you to everywhere social media. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Not the HR Lady. Uh, and we host our show every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central. We're back starting June 10th for season three. Uh, our first episode is called Fire Brilliant Assholes. So I think that you should come. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. We have a, we're actually going to be doing it live. Uh, we haven't done a live show in person, obviously, since COVID started. We started our show literally in March of 2020. Uh, so we haven't gotten to do a lot of... Uh, in public sorts of things, but we are partnering with uh, Wahoo's Fish Tacos, California Love Drop, um, and KUS to do uh, a live show out in Southern California. So, oh, um, like 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 you're doing like you're doing like a live like an like a live stage with like an audience yeah. and with everything. Oh, that's my yeah. dream. That's my so dream. So we're pretty excited. Yeah, we're pretty excited to do it. Um, that's so cool. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's nerve wracking. It's it's. I mean, really... the, logis the logistics alone of like of the like having the setup and the Wi Fi and the audio yeah. and the video. I can't even. I you know <gasps> dealing with this setup. Don't alone. make look. I'm already stressed I... out. No, 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 no. You'll do it. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually thinking about doing backyard shows pretty soon. My I love pool. It. We're painting our deck. This is such like a, a first world problem here. I was about to say white people problem, but I don't want to trigger anybody. Like we're painting our deck, so I can't do this show from my backyard. But I can't wait. I can't Got wait it. to do pool shows. So, Tara, I want to thank you. While we're doing that, I'm going to bring Matt on. Matt, I'm giving you a warning. Five, four, Matt, three. Oh, he's getting up. Three, 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 two, one. <laughs> Matt, what's happening, dude? Matt, Matt, Everything. Matt, what are we on? Are we on a, Every... a dial-up? Are we on a dial-up? What's happening down there? Some kind of AOL. Matt still uses Prodigy, I think. He likes to keep it, like, he likes to keep it old school in every way. Do you have what? Where are you? Well, are you in a dungeon? Hey, if you're being held against your will, Matt, not, like just need a safe word. That dog's barking can't fly without umbrella. No, this is live streaming, folks. So that's why I keep Tara on because we, uh, <laughs> we we understand the value of a strong internet connection. <laughs> does Matt, you does you have like a camping satellite? Are you trying to tap into somebody else's Wi Fi? I think he's thieving. Right. I think he's trying. I think he's trying to figure things out there. But that's what we do on the live show. We uh, we that's find. What, I had so um, I had uh, Zach Nadler on a few weeks ago. Zach is the CEO of Vayner Speakers. He's literally Gary Vaynerchuk's like personal booking agent. Does like a whole big thing. And I was doing what we're doing a live show, but also filming it as a proper audio podcast. And I was doing it late at night here in my office, which is also a school. And they were testing redoing the fire alarms. And I had no idea because I have a double door here between me and the outside. And it's literally like 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night. And I'm like, I kind of got to make sure the building's not burning down because I didn't know until afterwards that oh, it wasn't. And, no. it, and it was like an aggressive fire alarm, not like the bullshit ones, like an aggressive one. And I'm like, Matt, and he start, I'm, uh, Zach, and he's in the middle of a story. <laughs> and I go, 
continue this story. And I literally took my headphones off. I ran out the door. I checked. I came back and I didn't miss a stride in that story. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love, I mean, I'm glad it was a false alarm. It was a false alarm. And, 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 the, and the cleaning guy's out there and it was mop. And I'm like, and he has like these big headphones. on. I'm like, dude, I'm like, hey. I'm like, <laughs> and, and like the strobes are going off. It's like a crazy, like German techno party going on. I'm like, what the, like, I didn't sign up for this. But that's the thing you got to do with the live shows. And and that's why I love doing the live show, Tara. It keeps me on your game. You have to be for a situation like this. Like, like Matt is failing at the technology game. But you and I could carry carry conversations. So tell us, tell us a couple of guests you got coming up on the show. Oh, no. I, uh, I like to keep it as you. I have you. I told everybody you're going to be on it. So there it is. That's that. That's fine. All right. Let's try this again. Let's try it again. Matt, let's do this again, brother. How you doing? I'm great. Am I on? You are on. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> sweet baby Look, Jesus. Please, please call for help. I'm, I'm being held against my will. It looks like it. I've got, I've been using all of my AOL discs. Like I've got like at least a hundred minutes on this one disc for dial up. Oh my God. And I hope that you can find help. I think we're going to be good. So Tara. I'm so sorry, wish, man. Everything wish went luck wrong. With this. Good luck. Wish, yes, wish me luck with speed, this. Tara. Tara, I appreciate you. We'll catch up soon. Matt, what's happening, brother? <laughs> I don't think you have a big uh, enough water there. I need to get my three gallons in a day, literally in one container. I got gonna... goals, man. I got goals. Dude, I, the, the goal, goal number one is the fact that you and I are here right now talking. And if we look back a few months ago, it was scary. It was a different time, man. And I am... Uh, I, I, I am... I am selfishly happy to see you sit here man me too man thank you i appreciate it i'm actually uh i apologize everything went wrong today um and i'm in my off-site storage because we're getting ready for a massive adventure and the wi-fi crashed and everything went it's downhill happy. but here we are it's working now i'm happy to see you brother i'm happy to see you. how you feeling great i get to visit my stuff today i don't know so let's <laughs> So let's let's do let's do a little fun exercise. I want you to yeah. randomly grab one record from the wall behind you. Ooh. Random. Oh, grab two here. What do we got? I grabbed Glass Harp Synergy, which is one of the first Christian rock bands in the early 1970s. Can't say I know that which, one. Uh, well, it was pretty random. The lead guitarist is Phil Kagey, who's rated the best finger-picking guitar player in the world. So, Love it. Did he have those crazy-ass nails? Like, the nails are like dinosaur nails, right? Like, I don't they know. Just get he was a years. former drug addict, went crazy, and yeah. I found this by accident, but it's actually pretty good. Oh, that's interesting. You, you probably got some gems in there. I mean, you have to. I mean, there's a couple hundred records yeah. behind you. No, there's like a thousand. Couple, uh, oh, we don't, see, we don't see what else yeah. is happening there. No, you don't see. No. I got first pressing Rolling Stones. First album ever made in mono. I got Beatles. There's some good stuff in there. I have a I have a first press of Pink Floyd Animals, which is my favorite album oh, of all time. Man. I have a couple I have a couple of albums that are like I consider them the beginning to end, where you just put it on, you play it. Pink Floyd yep. Animals and I and and Tom Petty Wildflowers a little bit little bit more recently. Five I mean, it's nineteen mid nineties. Those are albums you could just listen to. What 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 is like? Would you say like? beginning a beginning one of your favorite beginning to end album straight through not a couple of tracks oh, man. uh yeah no 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 uh pink floyd wish you were here dark side of the moon like anything pink floyd was was designed to tell a story 
those mm-hmm. tracks were laid in a very specific order to tell a story. And Wish You Were Here is special. That was an album that my dad gave me. And, you know, he passed away eight years ago. And so it's it's very kind of a spiritual song, uh, album. But, uh, but yeah, that's one of those that just start to finish. Moody Blues laid out their their songs in a very similar way, too. And so, uh, yeah, I like I like albums that take you for a journey. And I think it's, it's, stories, uh, it's a fun ride. Yeah, it's, it's a story. And and you've been on a journey, man. You've been you've been to hell and back in the last year. I, you know, I don't back, know. I, I don't know if I'd call it hell uh, because Why not? it all worked out. How did I? I mean, it at was, that moment, dude, I, dude, when we were texting, you were from the fucking hospital, man. Like, did you know you were going to be OK? Were there moments Were there moments you're like, fuck. This is there was good. only one. There was only one moment where I thought things weren't good. Uh, there was a quick moment where I felt like my entire spirit fading, and uh, you know, it was a moment where I had two herniated discs in my neck at the same time as COVID, and one was pinching my spinal cord, and uh, the hospital wasn't believing me at first. Like I was trying to tell them, I, we didn't know what the problem was, and I couldn't fight both things at the same time. Because that pinching my my spinal cord was so painful. Like I have a th- high threshold for pain, but that thing was so painful that it radiated down my entire left arm and it was nonstop pain. It never stopped. It was just relentless for several days. And it would it, it brought me to almost wanting to vomit and tears, you know, and I was like, somebody's gotta help me. And one morning I could barely breathe. You know, and I've got the oxygen pumping through and this thing's killing me. And I just felt everything starting to fade and no one could hear me. either. I couldn't yell loud enough. The nurse station is right there through a window. They can't they're not looking up. My call button stopped working, you know, and so I ended up kind of like tossing something. And then I found a button on the bed that worked and someone came in. I just had to be the biggest advocate for myself saying, will you please give me an MRI? Something bad's happening, you know, and when I think of next stuff and discs and i think of marcus aurelius anderson and i'm like please like <laughs> like i don't want that kind of situation to happen yeah you know his story is amazing but yeah that crazy. was the only moment in that journey after that you know i there was no way in hell that i was going down i have a pretty strong belief that um i will get some crazy shit in life and i but i will make it through every single time so That's i can I tell the story <laughs> it makes for a good freaking story. I mean, I, 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 it popped up in my memories the other day of our last time we chatted, and it was uh, about a year ago. It was about yeah. a year ago, a couple weeks back, or like a year and a couple. Came up in my in my Facebook memories. And I'm like, holy shit, what the last year has been for you, uh, and even even for everybody, you know, me too, and included in that. But yeah. for you, you know, with the with the with, when we talked about that the beginning of the pandemic that you sent your wife and son to Maine, right? It was it Maine, New Hampshire, Maine? Yeah, Maine. Yeah. Yep. And you were home, you were staying home, you're holding down the fort, you wanted them safe and sound. Then you guys were reunited and you went on this cross country venture, then the COVID thing. Um, how hard was it, you know, was was the hardest part in the hospital, not so much the pain, but not being able to actually physically see them? Yeah, no, the pain's an easy part. Um, that's that's That part's easy. Not seeing them was tough. I mean, it was like, kind of like a low blow. It's like, seriously, again, like we started the year that way. Now we're going to end the year that way, you know, and, um, you know, not being able to see them was challenging, even though they're only a mile from the hospital, my wife could come, she could drop stuff off, but she couldn't come see me. Um, and missing Christmas, you know, I had a really tough moment. I had one big pity party on Christmas Eve and I was really starting to feel down. 
and I was getting pissed off. I was like, this isn't fair. All that, that whole thing, this sucks. This isn't fair. I'm starting to break down, you know, and, uh, and I'll be honest, like I, I, I broke down at least once a day, you know, it was, it was still challenging, but it was good. Like I allowed myself to, but, um, but sitting by that window, you know, all of a sudden the nurse comes in, it's probably around 9 PM and she rolls a suitcase over. I'm sitting by my windows there. It's floor to ceiling, two windows. It's amazing. Like I had this this great view. Yeah. And yeah, the suitcase rolls in with the nurse and I open it up. Um, the suitcase right behind me and, uh, it's filled with Christmas presents, you know, and a big Grinch stocking, you know, filled with presents. And like, I grabbed that stocking and I held it. Like I hugged the thing so hard and the nurse, and I started crying. Like I, you know, just wept. And the nurse is like, do you love the Grinch? And I was like, no, I don't love the Grinch. I was like, you know, but my son packed this for me. Like, I know that he chose that you know, for me and the fact that they did that and I'm sitting at this window, like, and I'm getting like world-class medical treatment. Like I was like, man, I've got it so good yeah. for this situation. I, I am so blessed to be sitting here and man, I, mean, I was grateful. That was it. Like pity party was over and it was back on track to just like, let's keep kicking ass. And, 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 you know, when they say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I mean, it's real. I mean, it's, it's real and it's, it's building, <laughs> right. The calluses, the mental calluses that it's building yeah. and what, uh, you know, that, that first moment when you're able to, you know, see and hug and, and, and love your, your son and your wife, like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't even like, I, I can't even imagine that, that feeling of like, I did it. And I'm back with them and, yeah. and, and what they were going through. I mean, I, 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 I mean, we know each other kind of well. I mean, we're not besties by any means, but I could only imagine how much their pain, you feeling their pain hurt more than your own pain. Yeah. You know, um, my wife was a warrior through all of it. My son was totally fine. <laughs> like, true honesty, like Kids are resilient he was playing video games, you know, he was playing his video games. He didn't know I had COVID. He knew I was sick and he knows about COVID, but we just didn't share. And how old is he for everyone out there? Uh, He was seven at the time. He's eight now, Mm -hmm. you know? And so he was, he was fine. Like, you know, it was, he would get on FaceTime with me and saw the tubes in my nose Mm -hmm. and everything going on. But, you know, he was playing Minecraft and he was like, okay, Papa, I gotta go. So he was fine. But my wife, she, you know, I know there were times that she was crying, like in the bathroom or just trying to pull together. She didn't so, want to be a single parent. She didn't want to lose you. No, no. That's, fucking, but, that's, every, that's the scariest thing to ever think about. That's my nightmare. Yeah. At the same time, too, she's used to it. So it's just like we have a running joke about like, you know, hey, they, they say I should go to the hospital today. She's like, geez, again. Like, you know, it's just a common like. This is my second pandemic, man. I had swine flu. I collect this stuff. What? So, yeah, man. You are a little biblical freaking... (laughs) What's next? Locust? Come on. No, 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 no. I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, my doctor's like, you're like Job. I'm like, please. Like, any other analogy would be great, man. Like, no. He's like, it works out well for him in the end. (laughs) But, uh, you know, yeah, it's been crazy. But I have faith, man, that I'll pull through. Fucking swine flu? What 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 are the like? What do you get for swine flu? What does it what does it do to you? A brutal fever, man. Like Oof. just brutal. Like it sucks a life. It was nothing compared to this thing, that's for sure. But um, you know, you know, in both situations, I I brought I take accountability. I brought this on. Like uh, I traveled the country. 
meaning it was know, avoidable. It, it, well, it, that part to some extent. Given, like I, I mean, listen, like, I got I got it too, and it was masks. unavoidable, right? We wore masks. We stayed away from people. We went to national parks. I mean, we were in the woods. You're outside. You yeah, know, you we were went far to, away. From we you. went to two cities, but even then, we stayed away from everybody. You know, outside most time, we sanitized hotel rooms, wore masks everywhere we went. Still happened. You know, and I could have gotten it going to the grocery store. I could have gotten it going to the gas station, even if I had stayed here. You know, it's like having a driver's license, man. I'm at risk of getting an accident every time I go for a drive. Yeah, so you can do everything. You know, people, people that never left their houses got it. I was exhausted. I hadn't been sleeping well because I was traveling a lot and I was still doing my morning calls. I'd gone west, which meant I my calls were even earlier and I was in back pain. I created the perfect storm to get sick. Yeah, I take accountability for that, you know, and I, I don't have the best immune system. So people can criticize me and say what they want. And and I own it. I take full accountability. How how are you feeling after the fact? They talk, they talk about like, you know, some kidney things, some heart situations, lungs, the COVID fog. Any residuals? Yeah, and some of it was hard to tell from what my usual stuff is. My usual, um, usual fog. <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, I did notice that uh, I had blood pressure issues, like right after, like sky high blood pressure. And I, and that was two months ago, um, over a month ago, that the doctor told me about that. And again, she was so high that day, she was like, I think you should go to the hospital. And I just, I was like, again, like, again. <laughs> it's like, come on. I was like, I was like, and I realized my caffeine intake that morning, I've made some horrible mistakes. And, um, caffeine is, I told her, I said, uh, give me, give me 30 days. Cause my cholesterol, my blood pressure. And I went back recently and everything's changed. Like I've dropped 25 okay. pounds. Nice. I've, uh, you know, everything has gotten back in the line, but you know, outside of that memory, I had a few memory issues too. And that's combined. I have a, I have a brain injury anyways, but, um, I was doing my Ted talk in, uh, the end of February, which was so, fucking awesome. By the way, I was so high. I'm watching that lot. I was like, yeah, it was all, you were, you killed it. And whatever that location was, it was great by the way. Oh man! Was, it like a, was that like an alleyway? Was that like a behind a dumpster? What was that? No, it was, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was like a courtyard music venue. It was actually it was ironically awesome. the very first place I had ever been to to see a show in Austin, um, fifteen years ago. So it was kind of cool going back. So yeah, a few memory issues that made doing my talk a real pain in the ass. You got um, the crushed. Yeah, and that was that was only a few days after the Texas snowpocalypse too. So like I had just the gotten running water back. Pipe burstathon, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh my god, that 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 sounds sad. I urge everybody watching, and I'll link it up afterwards to to Matt's. So so, how's business, man? I mean, this has got to be for what you do. And let's just take a moment. Anyone who doesn't know Matt, give everyone give everyone the quick thirty second headline of how you put food on the table. Perfect. I'm I a kill it. <laughs> I, I crush life. I, I grab uh, broccoli by the throat and I slam it on the table. <laughs> I eat veggies. Um, so <laughs> I'm a professional certified coach. I've been focusing, working with entrepreneurs and high performers, executives now for the past five years. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, you know, that I've done for a long time, you know, helping people live life aligned with their values and being able to basically crush it at work and at home. I I've stopped celebrating CEOs that are killing at work, but they're overweight, sick, and they're separated from the family. I just don't know what there is to celebrate there. I want to help create a full, you know, holistic approach. 
And I'm also now becoming an expert. You know, I heard you talking about experts, but I'm now becoming an expert in the area of morning routines. And that's been a primary focus. Like that's what really drove business last year was atomic mornings. Atomic morning. When I gave birth to that thing and started helping people create powerful morning routines that were not designed to make you work more in the day. It was designed for you to actually take time for yourself in the morning so you can understand self-awareness, emotions, and create time for your values. And then you go crush it at work and then crush it at home. That's been huge. Yeah. And that's, and that's a great concept too, the, the mornings too. And, and it's hard, you know, I talk, I mean, I'll give you an, like, I have, you know, two small kids getting my daughter ready for school. I have a three-year-old who is just, you know, who's a monster. He's literally yeah. the best monster in the world. And sometimes it's hard. You got to get them ready and everything. But my wife and I said that we have been, and she's, she does her yoga. She's much more cognizant of how she eats and takes care of herself. But for me, I was like, I need to be able to be around for this kid, my little guy yeah. and my big girl too. I need to be able to, she does dance and I don't think she's going down the sports road, but like, I got to keep up with my three-year-old. This dude is going to be playing, man. He's going to be playing sports. And I want to be the dad on, not on the sideline. I want to be the dad coaching, running around, doing yeah. the drills with them. And I, I got through, I, I, I had the, the COVID and in a complete, the, 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 the slightest asymptomatic minor symptoms compared to what you had. Cause I got it after being vaccinated, but I had mm -hmm. the fatigue and everything afterwards and during and the brain fog and all that shit. But it was a wake up call for me where I was like, okay, I, I got to take better care of myself. And yeah. we made the commitment and we decided first step would be if I'm not going to be like going to a gym or being, I got to put, I got to drop the excuses and we got a freaking Peloton and I put it literally, it's a foot and a half from the, from my feet by the bed. Yeah. And now I'm two days in a row, man. I'm two days. We just got it. It's you know, happened, I'm, I'm doing it. And I figure if I could do 20, 30 minutes a day, four or five days a week, mm -hmm. that's the first step. But getting back to the routines and everything, I even teach it to my daughter. And I, I forgot who the, the Navy Admiral who said it in a big commencement speech, right? The first thing you make do every bed. day, make your bed, make your yeah. bed. And I, I yeah. preach it. It's true. And I'm, and I'm, and I try to explain the reason why to my daughter, I go, it's responsibility, responsibility, but more importantly, you're accomplishing the easiest first thing in the day, right? Like you're accomplishing it. Yeah. And then you, you could say, all right, I got something done today. What's next. There's nothing worse. And then her reply back, dad, I'm just going to come back home anyway and mess it up when I go to bed tonight. But that's not the fucking shit. No. Yeah, but let's talk no, about morning, like morning routines. Like, you know, one of my other morning routines from a work perspective, the great, and I told you this before, the best piece of work advice that I received from my first mentor and teacher in the world of recruiting before I even my first day on that job, when I pivoted careers, he said to me, plan your work and work your plan, plan your work and work your plan. And I repeat that mantra every morning when I come into my office, I go, so let's start the day. Yeah. And I start with this. This is my to-do list. These are the tactical things that I need to do. My favorite thing in the world, Matt, is when I take this and I throw it into the garbage can. But if I look at this, right, if I look at this and I know I got 80% of the shit done, I'm not going to be upset because right. it allows the curveballs. I always over-index on what I need to do. Mm -hmm. But what are some practical, practical baseline things for people to start with if they're like, shit, I can't get my act together in the morning? Yeah, just wake up first. Uh, you know, that's, it sounds so simple, but when I start, you know, atomic mornings with anybody for over a course of 30 days, like week one is really about like, let's just get you out of bed for some people. It's a foreign concept. I'm like, let's pick the time that you're going to wake up. You're going to jump on a call with me for 15 minutes. And I'm going to ask you three questions. And the first one is just going to be, what are you self-aware of this morning? As soon as you're out of bed, like physically and emotionally, physically, mentally. Yeah. What are you feeling? 
it's a question we don't always ask ourselves. We don't might not always give ourselves the time to think about that. And so, you know, somebody's saying, man, I'm feeling a little, feeling a little irritated this morning. I'm like, great. Where in your body do you feel that? You know, the, the thing is we don't have to solve the problem. We lost light. Okay. Um, and we're good. <laughs> is uh, we don't have to uh, solve the issue. We just need awareness first. And the second thing I'm going to ask you is like, what was your wind down routine? Like, you know, because the secret to mornings is really what you do in the evenings. And the third thing is going to be, what are you going to be intentional about today, personally and professionally? You know, those are the three questions we dig right into. And again, week one, I want you to just celebrate being awake. Get up, sit at the edge of the couch and just be a vegetable if you want to, but don't work. No work. Don't look look at that phone. Yeah, stay away from the phone for at least the first 30 minutes. And what I want people to do is I want people to get hungry to do stuff. Like once they start getting to a groove, all of a sudden they start telling me like, I think I really want to start working out, you know, I'm like, great, let's see what that looks like. And we start creating a small routine, but I'm not jam packing their morning right off the bat. I want them to get comfortable with just being with themselves. It's, it's interesting. You say that about the, what you do at night sets you up for the next morning and it's physically and mentally. Like I know, um, I'm not, I, I enjoy a couple of drinks here and there. You know, I enjoy mm-hmm. my bourbon. I enjoy my my scotch and not like like if we get a buddies or whatever. But I also know at this age at 42, I don't even one drink affects me the next day. It does yep. one drink. And I, I think I have some kind of like adverse reaction to alcohol itself, the way it affects my body. Ever since I turned 30, um, it, it just changed. Everything changed about how I react to alcohol. So I really try yeah. to limit that. It's really just and, science, actually. It's, yeah. it's because uh, what happens is your body. Uh, as soon as you, if you drink or eat late at night before bed, it's going to take probably three hours for it to metabolize. So if you go straight to bed, what happens is your heart rate has a harder time lowering. It takes it longer to lower because it's metabolizing the alcohol or the food. So you don't go into deep sleep or REM sleep soon. Like it takes you so much longer. So, yeah. And that that's with everybody. So that's just that's just the science and- behind it. But it comes down to a good night's sleep too. And then I'm, I'm also not good at going, like say I have to wake up, like my son starts chirping in the middle of the night. I'm a light sleeper. If yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I have a very hard time of going back to sleep. That's like always been a problem for me too. And that, that'll just ruin my day. That'll yeah. just literally ruin my day. You know, it'll, it'll just be terrible. Like I'll be able to keep myself up with a couple of coffees, but then it's diminishing returns. Yeah. The you vicious know, cycle yeah. of overcaffeination is terrible. And one of my other buddies who's a doctor, he's like, literally, He's like, dude, you work for yourself. If that happens again, clear out your schedule, go home and take a fucking nap and get yourself back on track. Yeah. And drink tons of water. It's going to, it's going to, yeah. That's why I drink a gallon a day, you know? And so it, uh, you know, actually when I'm drinking this consistently, I, I don't really need the caffeine. I got narcolepsy, man. It's not an excuse, but it's stuff I work through. And, uh, I've learned the power of sleep and routines and granted my nighttime routines a struggle sometimes, but, um, I'm relentless about getting nailed. The nighttime routine is, you know, it, it sets you up. And let's talk about the mental stuff for a few minutes, too. Uh, the worst part is, you know, for us who are business owners or anyone, and they don't have to be a business owner. You always have so much on your mind of what to do next, the the stresses and the anxiety of work. What are some, you know, tips and tools to people to say, how do you block that shit out? How is it not omnipresent? Side note, side note, before I get into this, um, I had a conversation with Gary Vee last week, and I asked him the same question, you know, how he blocks it out. I talked to him about like, you know, how do you, the hardest thing for me, I'm going off track here is how do you shut Gary V off to be daddy V and husband V mm-hmm. and he goes practice. He goes, you're literally preaching to the, to the guy. 
yeah. who everyone thinks is always on. He's like, but I'm not. I'm not always on my phone. I know when to put it down and be present for my kids. I've been doing it for 20 years. You know, like it's practice, yeah. right? But how yes, do you, but this is like practical, tips, like, yeah. practical tips to shut off mentally and say, all right, that was daytime. There was the good, the bad, the ugly. I'm not going to carry it to bed with me. And I'm going to do my best and not wake up with that shit in the morning. I have a lot of my clients that uh, I encourage them to use Michael Hyatt's full focus planner. Um, it's a beast of a planner, but it's great to write down what your wine, you know, what your morning routine is, what your work ritual routine looks like, and then what your post work ritual look like. So you can go into back into the home life and then your wind down. And those are things I work with people too. So when you're starting to, you need to wind down from your work day too. like start closing things down. Think of it this way. When you shut down your computer, it goes through a cadence of things of shutting down programs slowly. Now, if there's an issue with it, it's going to stop and it's going to freeze up. If you just were to do a hard shutdown and just hold the power button, mm. it shuts off cold. It's a good analogy. That doesn't work right. And when you boot it back up, it's like, hey, there was an issue here and it gets all wonky and doesn't work right. You need to do the same thing with yourself. There's a cadence of things that you do, you know, and I remember reading James Clear's Atomic Habits and he uses this analogy with athletes. Athletes do the same ritual before every game. All their warm ups. Big on that. Watch a hockey goalie. Watch a hockey goalie. What they do. It's crazy. It's not superstitious. It's it's a neurological practice because as they do their routine, it is telling the brain, "Hey, we're about to play a game." You know, as they're going through it. By the time they're done with that last stretch, it's game time. It's the same thing with your your wind down from work too. It's like great. Go in your planner. Write down what your to dos are for the next day. Get that all set up, and then you know have your desk organized. Close down your emails. You know, take maybe a five, 10 minute walk, you know, be in some stillness or silence before you walk through the door. You, you need that time for you, you know? And I also say too, like, you know, you talk about making your bed, you know, it's coming home too. Like when you come yeah, home, I want to talk about it's that. It's nice to have, like, what's the first room you see when you come in the house? Actually, I have a really good friend um, and she gave me some great tips on that stuff. And, and that was one of them is like, when you come home, what's the first room in the house that you see and does that look present is does that feel calming and relaxing to you because you don't want to come in you see a mess and then the kids come running and now you're just irritated and 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 here's here's the the rub on that one matt and i think a lot of people and i'd love to get your take because you probably have a ton of clients that are dealing with this the lack of decompression time with everyone working from home and yeah. i when i was before i got this office and before i moved out like that there was like the five seconds between me walking upstairs and downstairs when, when like the Fred, Fred Flintstone whistle blew and, you know, yeah. work was over and I had dinner time bell was ringing. I was like, shit, like I didn't, I, I still, I still have the work engine motor kind of ro- rolling down, winding yeah. down. And now I'm walking and I want to be present for my kids and I'm at the dinner table. I mean, one thing we do is we have no phones at the table, which is great. We park them yeah, on the side. Great. Like that's a rule in my house, kids, mm-hmm. no electronics, but like, you literally just like, maybe you just got the call with a client. Maybe you just sent an email out that was yeah. positive or negative, whatever it is. And now you're still thinking about it. And your kids are like, want to, you want to be there for them. I mean, how do you, sh- how well, do you, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, unless it's, it's the, the last same year. idea. It's the same idea of like driving home from work and there's the house. You've given yourself zero time to wind down. And you, instead of like parking, you just tuck and roll out of the vehicle, you know, and roll oh, into true. the house. You know, it's, it's totally dramatic. But, some of the things I say is like, look, you've already worked your day. What's 10 more minutes before you go downstairs to meditate or just be in total stillness? 
practice. You know, if you're not doing that, it's probably because you're uncomfortable with it and you're not used to it. Some people are just uncomfortable with not being busy or they associate stillness with not being productive. Productive is a word we need to redefine because productive is you doing whatever you're intentional about. If your intention is to watch Netflix all day and you watch Netflix, great. You had a very productive day. You achieved exactly what you were intentional about. You know, if your intention is to be still and meditate, then that's productive also. It's perspective. And we need to shift gears on that because productivity doesn't always mean projects and being busy. So, and busy can be good too, but you need to have time to wind down. And that's, again, that's for you. Put your oxygen mask on, take some breaths, and guess what? You're now going to be the best for your family. I love the quote. It's an unknown author, but it says the world wants the best of you and not what's left of you. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, man, and, and we, we had the same conversation in April. I could bring it back mm-hmm. up and we said the same thing. And it's really about, you know, the even the analogy Dave Meltzer talks about it. You talk about it of the airplane and putting the oxygen mask on yourself first so you could take care of everybody else. That's It's incredible. And I love the idea, Matt, and, it, and it's literally like going around my head right now of you don't have to be doing something to be productive. Downtime is productive. Yeah. Hell yes. I can get more, like I can accomplish more sometimes in five minutes of stillness and an hour of being busy because it, all right. I don't know if you or anyone else out there is listening to this. Have you ever worked like an 80 hour work week? You get to Friday, you're so friggin' exhausted. And then someone's like, well, what'd you do this week? And you're like, shit, I don't know. Like, I know I, I I'm tired and I worked a lot, but you have no idea what you did. Cause you were just a raging a hurricane all over the place, just doing random shit, but none of it was intentional. Live an intentional yeah. life live an intentional life. So Matt, let's, let's bring it home here. Um, What's been your, your biggest change inside Matt here since we last spoke in April? A couple of things. One, I feel not, it's not arrogant to say this, but I feel pretty unsinkable. Um, You know, (laughs) adversity just keeps coming, you know, and no matter what, I have faith that I'm going to make it through and I'm going to be able to share the experience not because I'm looking for pity or I want to be a victim, but because I want to empower and give hope to others. And so that feels like a calling. Uh, and two, I'm grateful that I feel like I'm living life. Like our lease is up in our place. Like we have a house across town that we lease out to people and we have an apartment we've been staying in and that lease is up and we're packing our bags now for an unknown adventure. Like we're going to be nomads for a while. What direction you know? are you going? We're going to go to Maine. Right, first. left, up or down. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to Maine first, go see the family for a couple months. You're taking and, a hard uh, right. <laughs> yep, taking a hard right, and we're going to head north. And uh, my family, my wife and my son will leave next week, and then I will leave probably end of week one of June, and I'm going to camp all the way up the East Coast, just you know, popping up a tent, being in nature, and exploring a little bit. And, uh, and then we're going to spend maybe a month or two in different places across the country in Airbnbs, possibly get an right. RV. But uh, look if in that moment when i was in the hospital i knew like it was coming off of probably the most amazing trip of my life with my family you know living in that traveling in our jeep going all over these national parks and i knew like man worst thing can worst scenario if i passed away today like i can go down and say man like i loved as much as i could you know and i experienced as much as i possibly you know could could within that past year alone I built a business. I did the scariest shit I could think of. I loved my son. 
I connected deeply with my wife again. Like, I was like, man, I, I've lived a very full life at 40 already, you know? And I'm like, so it just told me like, anything's possible. We'll Love get it. through it. What's, what's the big deal? Like, you know what? If you survived this past year and you did, like, you could do anything. Like, if you feel socially awkward and you feel uncomfortable talking to people, don't forget what you just accomplished this past year. Go talk to people for crying out loud because they might be taken away from you again. You know, I do not take my rights sure. for granted anymore. I could have that taken away any second. They say, hey, you can't travel anymore to other states. Right. You can't leave your house anymore. I'm like, I'm getting it's out. Scary shit. Like, I want to go camping. I want to check everything out. Like, I want to live my life. Yes. yes. Experiential. Yes. I'm not here to just clock in and clock out and just work all the time. I need to walk the walk because I tell my clients I want them to live that life too. So guess what? I need to do the same damn thing. So you will see me camping and traveling and living life aligned by my values because I need to lead by example too. I love it, Matt. And if, if you make your way up the East Coast, if you do want to take a little detour over to Long Island, there's a couple of beaches out here you could actually camp on uh, yeah, right on the water. Which are, that. which are pretty cool. I got There's a couple of awesome beaches here. But Matt, let's sign off here. Uh, I want to thank you for your time. Hang with me for a moment uh, as I say goodbye to everybody. I want to thank everybody for joining us today on the podcast live. This is great. This one's going right to a podcast with, with Tara and Matt. I'm, I'm really thrilled with these conversations because they're real. These are just real, real, real talks. And I hope everyone out there enjoyed it. Um, I'll be back with regular scheduled programming next Tuesday, the 25th. I'm doing a recruiter roundtable on Tuesday. And then I'm wrapping up on Friday, right before the old Memorial Day weekend with my dude, the chairman of MRI Executive Search, Mr. Burt Miller. We're going to talk about the state of talent access. Got a couple of great podcasts coming up. Lindsay Pollock is live now. Glenn Zwieg, who's a host of the Art of Excellence. This dude, like, you ever look at someone, like, like, I don't know anything about him, and then you look at, like, their podcast lineup, and this dude's literally interviewed Al Roker. I mean, Al Roker's not, like, his big name there, but uh, uh, NASA astronauts, the founder of Whole Foods, Steve Case from AOL. Like, you're like, whoa, these are, like, these are, like, heavy hitters. And it's funny, so we interviewed him, and that's not even what we talked about. We got into, like, him. And it went deep, man. It was one of those podcasts I never, I didn't think it was going to go in that direction. And I was like, yes, this is the gold, the gold of the conversation. So you can find that at thepodcast.com. I want to thank everyone for joining us. This show will be up. Take care of each other. Just listen, we're opening back up. Just be mindful. Just be logical about how you do things, right? Like just be careful and look out for each other and always, you know, just keep an eye on your fellow man and woman, child, dog, animal, and catch us next week for another good episode of the podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Wisdom is forever, but for us. It's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com. <laughs>